Resiliency Within, with host Elaine miller Karras is brought to you by Trauma Resource Institute, Incorporated. Visit TraumaResourceInstitute.com. Welcome to Resiliency Within, featuring your host, Elaine miller Karras. In unprecedented times, our beliefs and well-being are put to the test. When we take the things we've learned in life and look at challenges in a whole new way, we learn to develop resiliency, which can then be used to promote healing and personal strength. Now, here is Elaine miller Karras. Welcome to Resiliency Within, and this is part two of a two-part series with the Atlanta Birth Center. Part one aired on February 5th, 2024, so if you didn't get a chance to listen to the show, I orient you to the um, Voice America Resiliency Within page, and you can you can take a good listen to the podcast. And we're also live streaming on Facebook Live on Resiliency Within's Facebook page in case you want to take a peek at us as we do the show today. So in today's show, our nurse midwives, Molly Job and Hannah Walters and childbirth education teacher, Tracy Goddard Johnson return to continue the discussion on how they are improving the mind and body health and well-being of pregnant people, birth givers and new parents through their innovative programs. They will share how they have implemented the community resiliency model and they'll tell us a little bit more about exactly how they're doing that. Um, within their Wellness Within project. Um, the project aims to equip birth givers with the wellness skills taught in the community resiliency model and to understand better how these skills can mitigate the impact of chronic stress and trauma during the whole perinatal period. So let's get started. But before I do that, I'm just going to, I'm going to also orient you to the Resiliency Within Voice America um, website, where you can read a longer bio of each of my guests today. So I'm just going to say a little bit about each one right now. So Tracy Goddard Johnson is a certified childbirth educator with the International Childbirth Education Association. She also graduated and is certified as a midwife from King's College Nursing and Midwifery, um, London, United Kingdom. She also currently serves as the Community Resiliency Model um, as part of the Wellness Within Project. So she's a facilitator. So Mo Molly Job um, is a certified nurse midwife. She completed her midwifery training at Emory University in 2016 and worked in community community health, and out-of-hospital and private practice settings. She's currently full-time with a private practice in Atlanta, as well as per diem with the Atlanta Birth Center, and she is the principal investigator with the Wellness Within Project. And Hannah Walters is a certified nurse midwife and also has her doctorate in nurse. Um, it's, just, it's a DNP. You can, set, you can tell us more about what that means, but you went to nursing school at Medical College of Georgia and then attended Emory University where you studied nurse midwifery and got your doctorate in nursing practice. Um, you currently work, she currently works full-time as a midwife at Atlanta Birth Center and is also a co-investigator of the Wellness Within Project. Phew! Ladies, that's a lot to get through. <laughs> so what we wanted to do today is we wanted to say a little bit again about what the Atlanta Birth Center is before we do a deeper dive into the Wellness Within Project that we didn't get a chance to get to um, during our part one of our series on February 5th. So who would like to go first and tell us a little bit about what is the Atlanta Birth Center? I can take that. So you'll hear us saying ABC. I feel like we always um, abbreviate it without maybe saying so first. So the Atlanta Birth Center, um, we refer to as ABC, is a nonprofit organization. We um, right now are Atlanta's only freestanding and nationally accredited birth center. 
So um, essentially what that means is that we care for people in pregnancy, um, during their labor and their birth, um, their birth, and we do postpartum and GYN care. And so we offer full spectrum midwifery. When folks deliver with us, they deliver at the birth center. Um, so they're able to have an out-of-hospital birth, um, which is certainly what people seek us out for. In the event that people, for whatever reason, need to transfer to the hospital, um, risk-wise, we work with Grady Memorial Hospital and the team of Morehouse um, physicians and midwives that work at Grady. Um, the birth center has several midwives who work full-time, as well as some folks like Molly that work per diem. We have several full-time, part-time, and PRN or as-needed nurses, um, administrative staff, as well as um, childbirth educators like Tracy. So, yeah, we try to create a community that gives people options to birth where they want to and how they want to in a holistic environment and with a midwifery model of care. Well, and I just, I just want to say that I love what you're saying about this kind of care, because I think a lot of, a lot of people when they're, um, they're pregnant, they get a bit nervous and they're wondering, well, who's going to take care of me? And maybe there's some people listening out there going, well, I just found out I was pregnant and I don't know where to go. So you were in Atlanta. Are there other, I, I, I meant to ask this last time, are there other um, nurse midwives that people can find in other states that they're, how would they find a nurse midwife? So I will say that nurse midwives work um, everywhere. There are midwives that work for um, in hospital practices that deliver in hospitals. There are midwives like us that work in birth centers. And then there are also midwives that come to people's homes and deliver them at the house or in the home. Um, if you're looking specifically for birth center care, you can go to find an accredited birth center to aabc.com, which is, um, I believe, American Association of Birth Centers or Accreditation of Birth Centers. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where you can find a map of anywhere in the United States that has an accredited birth center. Um, I would say that's a pretty good place to start in terms of finding midwives. Well, and I, I also want to say that I personally had a um, a certified nurse midwife when I gave birth to my daughter. Oh my gosh, I can't tell you how many years ago, 40 years ago. At that time, nurse mid midwives weren't as common as they are now. And I think there's there was a big kind of, I, I guess, um, a greater interest I think that nurse midwives were then more incorporated. I think they've always been in England, haven't they, Tracy? But they weren't so much in the United States. More midwives than nurse midwives. But yeah. same sort of thing. They were nurses and then they did a little bit of extra to do the midwifery. Right. But then we, we, they had a lot of direct entry midwifery as well. So midwives in general, we have a lot of those in the United Kingdom. And it's well, nice to see so many here. It doesn't matter what pathway. It's just yeah. nice to see midwives, midwives. Lives, delivering women. And I guess I want to say that because I didn't really know that much. I had, you know, had some friends that, that said, well, you might want to check this out. But I was really impressed with the degree of care. Mm -hmm. Also, how much the midwives got to know me. Mm -hmm. And so there was a great deal of um, safety that I felt when I actually did give birth. And in my case, um, there were some complications, but they knew they were so good at picking up the complications that the my journey to a hospital afterwards went very smoothly. But also afterwards, the nurse midwives came to my home. They took care of me. It was just so wonderful. And I, I felt so nurtured by them. 
And this kind of um, leads me to my next kind of question, because we know that during that whole perinatal period, people can have mental health challenges. And sometimes they go unspoken. Many times people think they're the only ones. And I'm wondering if one of you maybe could start speaking to, uh, to that and then how that was the kind of journey into creating the, the Wellness Within Project and utilizing the community resiliency model. Yeah. Yeah, Molly, do you actually want me to talk about that some? Yeah, I think you and Tracy, if you guys want to talk a little bit about stress and trauma, then I can talk about um, the project and how we came to yeah. that. Um, yeah, so I was going to say, like, in within the midwifery model of care, it's very person-centered. You know, we, we want to really hear people and serve them, and we're pretty much here to provide information and guidance, but it's your body and pregnancy and journey that you're on. Um, so we really va value both the individual and the community. Um, this project was really designed to serve our community. We saw a need for um, really, we saw that our our clientele or patient population was having more like complex mental health concerns, and um, we were having more people that had acute trauma, whether that was domestic violence in the home or a recent history of relationship abuse. And we wanted to be able to have some kind of infrastructure at the birth center to meet those needs. And we didn't feel like we currently had that. So this project was kind of created as a response to that. Like what can we do um, as clinicians at the birth center and as people within this community in Metro Atlanta to serve people's needs. Um, we also, commonly see that people have a really hard time getting in with a therapist or a psychiatrist, um, especially if you're insured by Medicaid or you don't have insurance. Our birth center, I believe we have like 40% of our um, clients are covered by Medicaid. Um, and of course, it's hard to get in even for people with private insurances. And so we wanted to essentially not that we don't want people connected with those services, but we'll, what can we do while they're waiting on getting in or kind of in tandem with those services? So, and Tracy certainly can speak more to this as well. well but. I just want to add one thing too, because I think that people may not realize that many women all over the United States, that the way that their um, healthcare is covered is through Medicaid or in California, it's called Medi-Cal. And so mm -hmm. then when you're looking for a mental health provider, um, is there, if there is coverage, um, and many times there is some minimal amount of coverage, then it's like, how is it accessible? And right. when you're talking about the period of, you know, knowing you're pregnant and, you know, getting care, sometimes it takes up to six months mm -hmm. for people oh, yeah. to get into a mental health care provider. So then what happens between being able to see someone and, and you're having someone right in front of you that may be three months pregnant and saying, I'm depressed and sad and I'm crying all the time. Absolutely. And, and exactly. so I think yeah. that we really need to emphasize that we do have a lot, a lack of, um, you know, kind of the, what we think of as the, the therapist. And so we need to have accessible models of well-being that can oh, yeah. be utilized by, I would say, a whole cadre of people mm -hmm. um, within all over the world, as far as I'm concerned, but you know, I'm kind of the choir here. Uh, <laughs> I think, especially in my dear um, 
you know, affinity to really looking at this period of the starting off of new lives. So I just needed to, you know, kind of add my my two cents about that, Hannah, before Tracy, you know, continues. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I think that's such a good thing to point out, especially in Georgia, we have limited access to insurance. You know, Georgia didn't expand Medicaid like other states did. And so for many people in Georgia, they don't have insurance until they become pregnant and it's easier to qualify for Medicaid. So really anything before you were pregnant and got accepted into that insurance plan um, probably wasn't being addressed by a medical professional. And so exactly what you're saying, you show up to your first visit with midwives and you're, you know, identifying concerns. It can be really hard to see someone. Um, and so going kind of back to the birth center, we have um like mental wellness groups, which Tracy can talk about, um, that are amazing. But then we wanted that extra, extra thing that specifically could be helpful for people with a history of trauma. You know, it's really hard, especially when you've got young kids to take time off work to go in person to a, a therapist and do EMDR. Um, that's pretty inaccessible. We, we wanted, okay, what's something that staff at the birth center could implement that could really potentially impact people's mental well-being. Thank you, Hannah, for, for, you know, for adding to that, because I think it's, there's kind of an urgency mm-hmm. um, when we think about the beginnings of, of, of new life and whatever we can do to create a better foundation, right? When a person yeah. is in a pregnancy period can also be so important for that little person that's coming into the world. So Tracy, over to you, if you'd like to talk more about that. Yeah, thank you, Elena. Thank you, Hannah. It's absolutely right what you're saying. Um, I think talking about just a little bit, I want to say about uh, the insurance and um, um, pregnant people trying their hardest to get into somewhere like the birth centre. And then in one case that comes to mind, by the time she did try to transfer over to the insurance that is covered, it was too late. They said they couldn't take her because, bless her, she didn't know about this other insurance before her gestation had progressed into where it is. So they're left sometimes in limited not being able to be cared for and because they've got insurance the fund is that we do have available at the birth center for people of color to be able to have a birth at the birth center she couldn't access she wasn't able to because she technically she does have you know some kind of insurance so I feel that there's a, a gap there and that in of itself can have such a huge impact of stress not only is she pregnant not only is this a pregnancy that maybe wasn't necessarily on on the on the cards, so to speak, but it's here. She's decided to go forward with it. All the other things are happening in life as well. You you may have had she may have had a death. Another client that comes to mind. Her partner died. Finding out that she was six weeks pregnant. Her partner unfortunately was dead. And then you've got all of the other things that that, that life still happens. We know life is still happening, even though that there's a pregnancy whether it was planned or not life is still happening so the stress on the body and the the the, uh, cortisol levels the hormones that are coming up we wanted and I'm very very honored may I say that Molly and Hannah included me in this I am so honored to be able to administer this type of skills to uh, the pregnant person so that they can self-administer it to themselves so to speak they can regulate their own uh, nervous system as much as they possibly can with once they have learned these skills um, um, once we have passed it to them I'm finding that these skills 
can help bridge the gap. They are not to, to negate therapy. They're not to negate um, something, medic even medication-wise, but they are there uh, uh, just to sort of like bridge the gap. Like you said, it's six months before they can get in anywhere. Sometimes the reality is. So this can also help bridge the gap that it can try and aid them as much as possible until they can get in. And this is what we're finding in that when they are so stressed with so many other variables coming in at them, the, the refugees we talked about a little bit uh, last time and how that impact of being shifted from their home country into a country that they have never been speaking a language that they had no intention that they wanted to they were learning <laughs> not everybody wants to learn english by the way not everybody some people are very comfortable speaking three languages arabic french and their mother tongue maybe and they're very happy doing that um, so being thrown into a situation that they didn't ask for it really doesn't regulate uh you know their nervous system and to be able to be, um, to extend kindness you said Elaine I love that I do like to extend kindness even on the support groups that I do Hannah you talked about uh, the support group but maybe somebody who's had trauma a refugee trauma may not want to be able to want to come to uh, a peer support group they may want more of a one-to-one -one. Um, tell me how can I regulate how can I help myself until I'm seen by somebody who can one speak my language two looks like me mm -hmm. you know um, and then three to be able to be assessed and get the help that I need well um, Tracy I think the other thing about this though is that if, if there's not enough mental health providers and there are many people from different cultural backgrounds that mental health is an individual therapist is not someone they would choose to go to that they may be feel very comfortable at a wellness um, group setting with you at the birth center and you know honestly even though you might refer them to a mental health therapist even if they were available they may not go so I think that needs to be stated too that we need to have something um, that also helps people that can be delivered by someone who looks like you that may know your language, that has an understanding of your culture, which also I think is inherent in what I've seen in the training that nurse midwives have, is that you do look at the different cultural contexts of how you help people when they're going to be the, um, the birth giver. Is that, I mean, would that be true? I mean, that doesn't happen in every kind of medical background in terms of those cultural contexts. Absolutely. It doesn't happen. Um, the reality is is sad, but true. Um, I'm hoping that uh, as the listeners hear that people who are staff members from hospitals around the globe, they're human beings. They have their own nervous systems as well. Okay. We don't want to negate that. But we're, I'm hoping that they will be so in, in, in inquisitive to say, OK, how can I help the person that comes in that doesn't look like me, that doesn't speak like me, that came to this country because of war what can i do well da -da, we have the community resilience i love that da -da. Da -da. Drum roll. Yes. Well, I want it, so i want to hear about okay so how did this come to be that you decided to launch the wellness within project what does that mean what is the wellness within project and how and we're going to call uh the community resiliency model crim here on out because it's too long to say the whole thing Kind of like ABC, right? Just kind of like the Atlanta Birth Center, ABC. Okay. So Molly, are you going to be talking to us yeah. about 
Yes. Absolutely. Sure. So like Tracy and Hannah were both talking about, I think one of the most incredible things about midwifery care and and specifically, I think, in the setting of a birth center is just this enormous focus on looking at the whole person, right? Um, so we really recognize and value people's lived experiences and, and try to understand that that means people come to us and come seek our care with difficult past and or current situations with lots of stress sometimes with trauma. Um, and so like Hannah mentioned, in terms of choosing CRIM, I think we as the midwives and staff at ABC were just really feel really felt like there was this gap. Um, you know, we were screening for mental health conditions. We were screening for domestic violence. Um, we were definitely trying our best to navigate the very complex healthcare system um, to get people connected into care, but we didn't have like a specific tool to offer in the moment. Um, and that's what we felt like we needed and wanted in order to be able to to provide the kind of care that we were striving to to give um and so a lot of us were somewhat familiar with CRIM. Um, you know, there's a lot of research um, in Georgia and in Atlanta um, with CRIM. Um, and then one of our amazing mentors, um, Dr. Nicole Carlson, um, who is an amazing person and mentor to me and Hannah and, and lots of us at the birth center, um, she she suggested to us that we should maybe look at incorporating CRIM and it might be helpful um, in, in to try to figure out a way that we could weave it into just the care that we are offering clients at the birth center. Um, and then she being the researcher that she is, um, and also we needed something sustainable in terms of funding, um, encouraged us to apply for a project through the National Institute of Child Health and Development, or NICHD. Um, so they had a program called Connecting the Community for Maternal Health. Um, and so this was aimed specifically at community organizations who were trying to um, implement projects to improve outcomes related to um, perinatal health. And so we um, kind of went on this journey and it was messy at times, but we applied and we, um, you know, essentially learned how to write a grant application and, and how to, you know, make protocols and all of, all of these things that most of us had never done before. Um, and we, we made it really far in that project and, and made it kind of to the final round, as they say. And so we were awarded 150 no easy thing, Molly. I just want to say. Easy. I mean, you need to know that the Atlanta Birth Center and people like Molly and Hannah and Tracy, you have to work really hard to... Yeah write the grant and if you make it to the last round you're going this is maybe an amen hallelujah moment but you don't know lots of lots of work and we've had lots of you know we have lots of other people on our team that have just been instrumental in the writing process and and getting to where we are now um and then of course in facilitating it but but yeah, so ultimately, you know, we were awarded $150,000 prize money um, that we've been able to use to implement the project. And so the project itself, um, kind of what we came up with is kind of in different parts. So like phase one was that we felt it was essential that we kind of bolster our baseline screening so that all clients that were coming in that are participating in this study, we have kind of some additional screening we do. So we're screening for depression and anxiety, domestic violence, um, but we're also screening for stress and well-being and resiliency 
Um, we're also looking at perceived racism, so people's experience with racism in their lifetime, um, as well as their experience with um, receiving respectful care, maternity care. We're looking at that um, in one of our postpartum screens. Um, then we um, are enrolling people in a two-hour virtual crim class that we worked to um, kind of tailor to be, you know, a little bit more specific to pregnancy and labor and birth, um, mainly just graphics and things like that. But um, you guys, um, the tribe was essential in helping us kind of make that happen. Um, so clients participate in that, and then they do a 30-minute check-in with a midwife after um, their crim class so that um, Hannah, myself, and one of our other um, midwives on the team, Stacy. We meet with them to answer any questions they have, to reinforce the skills taught in CRIM, um, and really just to check in to see how they're doing and if it's been useful for them. Um, and then we are following up with them postpartum. So six weeks after they deliver, we are, again, having them do questionnaires so that we can look at, um, hopefully look at outcomes based on um, how useful CRIM was to them and, and if it did impact their, their overall well-being stress and depression and anxiety. And then we're kind of also comparing all of these outcomes to a retrospective group. So a, a group of clients who birthed with us um, in 2022 and looking at outcomes. Um, so that's like the project in a nutshell. And um, it's been amazing. We have an amazing project coordinator who, um, Jaquel, who has been, I wish she was here on this call too, because she's just been like, a, you know, really, we wouldn't be where we are. Without Jaquel. So we're just going to do a shout out to Jaquel. Yes, shout out to I have to have you come back in once your study is done. You know you're coming back again, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. with you this time. Yeah. And then we have, you know. results. Yes. And then we, you know, another, like, I think really important and helpful part of this project has been our um, our community accountability board, our community accountability partners, which Amanda Mullen, one of our um, leaders at the birth center has been leading. And, and so we've essentially had a community group that's been giving us feedback all along the way, which has been really instrumental to making sure that everything from like the emails we're sending out to the the graphics we used in the CRIM class feel appropriate for all of the clients that we're serving. Um, and so that's been a really instrumental part of it as well. Well, I can, you know, one of the things I want to point out, we're going to take a break in just a minute, but is just the cultural humility that you all have expressed about this is not being done in a vacuum, that you're reaching into your community for input and you're asking the people that are coming to the center for their input about is this helpful or not? I think that when we treat people with that level of respect, I mean, I think it has a way of, it's kind of like putting that pebble in the stream where we see this, the concentric circles going out to the wider community. And I can't help but imagine, I don't know the answer to this, that if you don't have a lot of people knocking on your door saying, we want this. Do you have a lot of people knocking at your door? Is this true? Am I just making this up? Because you haven't told me this, but I would think so. You mean in terms of the yeah, wanting to come, come, come for care? Oh, to the birth center. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, we do. And, and, and yeah. And, and I think like you mentioned, I think the fact that we are a community organization and really have tried to conduct this like from a community standpoint where we have buy-in from our staff, from our community um, partners has really made the project so much more successful um, because there's a different sense of trust um, when it's, when, when you're trying to recruit and get people to do something that maybe feels a little bit unknown 
own and just have trust that research is going to be hopefully beneficial and not harmful to them, which our country has a lot of history with. Of, um, of being respectful and being yeah. harmful actually too. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah exactly. So that's been huge um, for sure. Well, I, I, w- I want to hear more of the specifics and we're going to hear more about how you've actually done this integration. Um, we're going to take a couple minute break from our sponsor, the Trauma Resource Institute. Um, and we will be back with these lovely individuals from the Atlanta Birth Center, Hannah, Tracy, and Molly, and we will hear more about the good works and hopefully some of the results that you're seeing. I know you're not completely done, but we'd love to hear some of the smatterings of you know, like, do you think this would be useful at another birth center? Let's say in California where I live. I don't know. Maybe so or maybe not. We're going to hear more. So we'll be back in just a couple minutes um, and hear more about the good works at the Atlanta Birth Center. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. The Trauma Resource Institute is a nonprofit organization cultivating trauma informed and resiliency focused individuals and communities worldwide. Our mission is to take people from despair to hope. We believe in a world where every child and adult has the capacity to recover from highly stressful and traumatic experiences. Check out iChill, our free app that helps you learn the wellness skills of the community and trauma resiliency models. Go to TraumaResourceInstitute.com for more information. Elaine miller Karras' book, Building Resiliency to Trauma, The Trauma and Community Resiliency Models is available on Amazon.com. The book is about how to cultivate resiliency during and in the aftermath of traumatic experiences. The book also addresses body-based trauma interventions combined with psychoeducation about the biology of trauma and resiliency. Elaine also offers personal consultations. For more information, you can contact her at Elaine at ResiliencyWithin.com. Elaine Miller Karras co-founded the Trauma Resource Institute Incorporated. The Institute provides trainings on the models Elaine developed, the Community Resiliency Model, or CRM, and the Trauma Resiliency Model, or TRM. If you would like more information about the Trauma Resource Institute or how to participate in trainings, visit the Institute's website at traumaresourceinstitute.com. That's traumaresourceinstitute.com. Trauma Resource Institute. Build resilience. Awaken hope. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Resiliency Within with Elaine miller Karras. To reach the show during our live broadcast, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to elaine at resiliencywithin.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back. I have Welcome back, and we are with Molly Job. Hannah Walters and Tracy Goddard Johnson from the Atlanta Birth Center. And we have been talking about how to support people with their array of different challenges that come up during the whole perinatal period. And so we are going to hear more about the, the the project that you've launched there. And I guess we need to hear more about the nuts and bolts. Now we know about why you did it. And then now, how are you doing it? 
And I know, Tracy, you were sharing with us that you have friends from, from uh, the UK that were listening and go, well, what is this community resiliency model? And I went, we need to know more about how to do this, right? So over to you, whoever's going next that will uh, share the next part. Sure. So I can talk a little bit about the specifics. So we, um, we essentially, for the, for the case of this kind of project or study, you know, we are looking at people specifically who had due dates between the 1st of January and the end of March. And so I think I mentioned our, our lovely project coordinator, Jaquel, um, has just, I don't even know how she does all the things that she does. She's incredible. Um, but we have been, you know, anyone that's eligible, we reach out and um, we ask them to participate in the study. Um, and if they agree, um, then she does, you know, she has a consent meeting with them. Um, and then she enrolls them in one of our, our two-hour CRIM classes, um, which Tracy is one of our facilitators. We have another wonderful facilitator, Naima. And then um, uh, Hannah um, Stacy, uh, one of our other co-investigators, as well as Amanda, are also facilitators. So we just have rotated who's teaching the classes. Um and I think Tracy's going to talk a little bit in a minute about kind of what meeting the class has been like and the feedback we've gotten. If I could uh, ask a question. So did all of the people that are facilitating the classes become community resiliency model teachers? All of the all of the people leading the class are trained. Yes, received the CRIM training, and then those of us that are the co-facilitators, we have a co-facilitator in each class too. Um, they are not necessarily received. They're, the they're CRIM guides. They're either CRIM guides okay. or they're CRIM facilitators. So I just I want to just say that when you become a community resiliency model teacher, it's you, people become certified, mm -hmm. and then they may go back to their organization and train others in the yes. in the skills so that they know them, and they may as a CRIM guide, we call them, co-teach with you, right? Yes. Um, and, and also provide additional support as you're implementing CRIM in your organization. So I just want that little fine point there. Go ahead. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so then, yes, so I think I mentioned after they um, complete their class, then um, Jaquel follows up with them and they schedule a check-in with one of the midwives that are, are part of the, the study team. We follow up with them um, about what their experience was with the class and reinforce any skills that they have questions about, um, oftentimes go through like a grounding exercise or something like that again. Um, and then we follow up with them after they have their baby, um, which we are really excited. I can't believe we're at the point in the project where we are having people having their babies, but we're, that's where we are now. Um, and so, yeah, we've had um, several several people birth already, and um, we we have lots of postpartum appointments starting this week. So we'll be following up um, both to have them complete questionnaires and also um, to check in and, and provide them a few additional resources as they go um, continue in the postpartum um, period and parenting. So can I ask you, so you know, this is so the the um the implementation is sounds like it's sound, it's going well. Yeah. So what are the ingredients um of the community resiliency model that you think have been important for the the um the individuals to learn as they've been going through the process? Because I know Tracy, that was something you mentioned as we were getting ready for the call today. You know, what are those ingredients that seem to be important for um the, the birth givers who are about to bring a little precious being into the world. 
Well, thank you for asking, and and uh, thank you, uh, Molly. And I, I'd like to say as well, thank you, Elaine, for actually modifying this so that we could actually use it and adapting it to the pregnant person. It's not been done before in this community of birthers, and it's been amazing. It's been absolutely brilliant to be able to utilize these skills um, to be teaching, to, uh, to be able to teach them. And what I'm finding is that they like the skills because they're re realizing that they have been doing them, some of them, and not knowing that we put these lovely names to them, like tracking, our name one, and resourcing. Resourcing actually is my favorite word, skill because I realized, and, and when after relaying this skill to the pregnant person, they said, Oh, we do that. I do that. Um, and not knowing that that's what they were doing maybe to self-soothe or to try and regulate their nervous system and bring their nervous system back online, we say. So um, um, being able to call uh, this thing a name and put a name to it, it's, it's really been quite satisfying and quite pleasing. And I'd like to also say, I'll come back to that, that the research, uh, the data rather, I said it at the first uh, um, session, it should be saying what we know. That, and if it doesn't say what we know, it's lying because these the pregnant people <laughs> I'm telling you, Elaine, I, I made the ladies laugh, Hunter and Mona, when I came up with this because I said, I'm telling you, I'm seeing it as a facilitator and hearing back from the uh, uh, the uh, clients, even before we've even ended the two hour session, they're already saying how they feel that this is making such a tremendous impact in a positive way for them to deal with stress, to be able to bring their, um, uh, you know, nervous system or their resilient zone back where they can navigate through that zone, their okay zone. These are some of the terminologies I'm using of the actual, of CREM actually. So for the listeners are thinking, what on earth is Tracy on about? These are the terminologies that I'm using that we use to teach the clients how to regulate their nervous system. The parasynthetic and the synthetic, sympathetic nervous system. Sometimes once I brought that to the client, they said they didn't even know that exists. Mm -hmm. And then I broke it down. Um, I had to learn that. That was something I knew about, but went into deeper depth trying to get certified uh, to be able to relay this information back and Elaine. So how do you think that is, Tracy, and, and this is really to all of you, Hannah and Molly, is that when we teach people about their bodies, I mean, you're doing that when they're pregnant, right? And so they're mm -hmm. learning about their, their body changing and all the things that are going along, but you're helping them learn about their stress response system, yes. which is really a life skill. Um, mm -hmm. You're only going to be pregnant and new parenting for this amount of time, but you're going to be in your whole life for this amount of time. I don't know if you can just comment about what, you know, what is it about it that you think yeah. is helpful to them? Did you want to say something, Molly? Yeah, I can. I think that one of my favorite things about um, being a part of this is like the aha moment that people have sometimes. Um, when they realize, you know, we get really caught up in our feelings and like the thinking part of feelings. And when people actually make the connection, when we're, we're walking through creme to, especially when we're teaching tracking to feeling like what that feels like in your body, like the body response, it is almost like, aha, like, oh, I never even realized how much my heart was racing when I was experiencing this feeling. Right. Um, and so that's really powerful because I think then it lets them take ownership of it, right? Which is what this is about. Um, and we were talking about at the beginning before we came on the air about this 
it's okay to feel what we're feeling, right? Like, so Krim gives us the power to acknowledge that like, I'm feeling really overwhelmed and anxious and then to like know how that is in our body and let it not like overcome us essentially. Um, and that is really, I think a really beautiful thing to see people be able to um, recognize and Hannah may touch on this too, but one thing that I've also loved about um, doing this in, in pregnancy is this is so applicable to life. All the skills in CRIM are so applicable to all aspects of life, but especially for labor, people really make a connection with it to labor because we are, you know, all of the skills essentially in CRIM are so helpful for labor. And I think especially um, labor that's unmedicated um, because there's so many strong sensations happening and emotions that are coming up. Um, and all of these skills are a great way for people to like tune back in to track what's going on and then to use resourcing or use grounding um, or gesturing, like things that often naturally come up um, during labor and birth. And to, again, like Tracy said, have a name for that um so that they can use it as a tool um is really has been really beautiful and really awesome yeah, Molly, you're reminding me my daughter i have a seven-year-old granddaughter and during her, i was there at my daughter's birth and what helped my daughter one of the, mo the things that helped the most is that she would push her feet against my hands a form mm -hmm. of grounding yeah. and, and when she pushed her feet against my hands i would push back a little bit right yeah. that's what mm -hmm. she wanted me to do and that yeah. alleviated i would say the intensity of the contraction by maybe about half i mean it was still there but that was so helpful but who you know who knew, right doing something hey. as simple as that right that that could actually yeah, yeah. Hannah, would you and, like to say more? Yes, please. Yeah, I was going to say, um, you know, in doing the 30-minute, like, check-ins with the midwives, it's been really interesting hearing, okay, like, you've had your thing, your workshop, it's digested, you know, what are you feeling and, like, thinking about from it? And especially for people who this is their first labor, it's so applicable to, I mean, exactly what Molly was saying, like, what is labor going to be like? What is it going to feel like? That like kind of anxiety and anticipation is hard to figure out. And I feel like Krim just pairs so well with preparing for labor because it really is the same thing. Like I'm, you know, I think often we are, are like scared of emotions. I know even like before I became aware of Krem, I live my life very emotionally. And so it's, I would want like less emotion and I would be scared of it and try to run away from it. And as we know, that does not decrease the intensity of the emotions you're feeling or change what's happening in your body at all. It in fact makes it more overwhelming. And so to me, that's, you know, that's creme. I am able to take what's happening and it does not overwhelm my nervous system, even though that does not actually change the feelings or intensity necessarily. Right, and I think that, you know, thank you for pointing that out, because I think what do we do in CRIM is, you know, tracking simply means reading your nervous system. Mm -hmm. And that means paying attention to the sensations that maybe is connected to your distress. But the way mm -hmm. that we cultivate that ability to not be overwhelmed with your emotion is by cultivating and water those resources. And what Tracy mm -hmm. said, people go, oh, I was already doing this. Mm -hmm. Well, and how empowering is that to someone yeah. to say, oh, look at that. I'm teaching you something, but you already know it. So now I'm yeah. just going to add this other special ingredient, like the secret sauce. The secret yeah. sauce, right, to, to Krim, I think, is reading the nervous system. And we know that what's yeah. called 
interceptive awareness, which is the fancy kind of neuroscientific term, that people who can read their nervous system, right? They have better affect control, better impulse control. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what you're helping people do at the beginning when they're yeah. pregnant. I love that. So anyway, so what have you comment about what Elaine gets so excited about? But of course, like, I realize I'm the choir. So go ahead, Hannah. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I think it's just so applicable to labor because... As, as we all know, being around, especially like unmedicated labor, it's intense. And if, if you are scared and, and resisting and you don't want to feel that and, you know, all of the things that might come up, um, it's going to be a lot harder to cope with those. Conti- you know, we know that the contractions will keep going. They will come and they will end. So sometimes we'll say like, ride the wave, lead into it, you know, um, and so I just think that in talking with people in these check-ins, it seems that these workshops have almost alleviated some of that anxiety of like, am I going to be able to cope with labor? Because it really is the same. Like, yes, I have these tools. I have these skills. And I almost think it's been helpful for people to start intentionally having conversations with their support system, nice. both about labor support and their entire like mental well-being support, you know? I, it might feel good for you, me to kick against your feet. That's grounding, and I'm going to track it this way or whatever it is. Right. So they're actually incorporating the language then into their mm-hmm. that what we call the activities of daily living. They're talking to their support network. Yeah. That's cool. So go ahead, Tracy. I sorry to interrupt. I just wanted to say on the basically on the back of what Hannah is saying. It, while teaching these skills, the clients have embraced embraced them quite uh, vigorously and happily because it's actually given them the opportunity to acknowledge and to be able to have a the opportunity or the permission, if that's the word, to be able to say, "I don't feel brilliant," knowing that I'm going to go into uh, this uh, really intense moment. I'm already nervous. I'm already angry. Uh, full of anxiety thinking about labor from what I understand will I be able to cope would I be able to cope with the labor pain so the wow. teaching them these skills of already in pregnancy have, or, or, or has given them a major opportunity to start identifying we talk about in the childbirth education class um, identifying your fears addressing your fears and what you can use to overcome your fears this mm-hmm. creme, I just wanted to say this creme skills has given them the permission the opportunity to address fears and to navigate through there so in order to them to come through it as best as they possibly can well tracy i'm mm-hmm. going to have a question curiosity question you know having been a former childbirth educator um i don't know if you ever leave that because you're always educating people yes. you know they're pregnant <laughs> oh okay yeah, i have some tips that might help <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if you ever leave it yeah, but i'm just wondering how does crim fit into like your training as a childbirth educator, because I mean, you in childbirth education, we we help people learn different strategies to be able to do that ebb and flow, Hannah, like what you were saying about riding the wave. Um, so, how is it the how is it different, or how is it similar? I don't know, or maybe both. I think, thank you. That's a very good question. I think for me, I don't know about the other childbirth educations out there listening, but for me, coming from the midwife role, I was already educated, health promotion, the rest of it. And then now taking up this role here as just the childbirth educator, I think it's the same coin, but different sides. Because what I'm finding, especially with this population, um, pregnant community, the birth in person, I'm finding that in the creme class, sometimes, or the workshop, I am overlapping 
in and talking about childbirth, educating points, tips, uh, educating them from a childbirth education uh, point of view, as well as incorporating the uh, creme skills. So they are actually at times overlapping, most definitely. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So, um, so maybe you can give us, um, are there any outcomes yet? Um, I, I can't believe that we like have, have maybe about five minutes left to talk about the outcomes. Goodness. Oh, that uh, part three looks like it's looming. So go ahead. <laughs> sure. So we, you know, at this point, um, we have over 50 participants, um, which we are really happy with, um, that have that have participated in the study, that have taken the CRIM class. Um, we have not really done any data analysis yet. That will happen end of April, early May, because we're waiting for people to have their babies. Um, and then we'll start looking at, at numbers, I should say, I guess. Um, so hard to like say for sure right now, like, you know, it does CRIM, you know, can we make an association between CRIM and like, does it decrease depression and does it increase, um, you know, well-being resilience on the pregnancy core in terms of numbers? Um, but I do feel like, like Hannah and Tracy and myself and, and all of us that have been a part of this, um, we feel really strongly from our interactions with participants and from their stories that it's been, you know, immensely helpful um, and really resonated with, you um, it really resonated with everyone that's been a part of it. Um, and so that's what we have now in terms of feedback. And, and Tracy and Hannah, if you guys want to offer um, more specifics, but but yes, people are loving it. The 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 birthing people that have taken the CREM class are meeting with us and, and saying how helpful the skills are. And I think um, another great thing that we hear is that they're sharing it like with their community too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is ultimately... Another reason why we chose CRIM is we felt that, you know, we, as a community birth center, we want the skills and things we teach to also go out to other communities um, for the people that we're we're caring for. And so it's doing that. We feel like it's doing that. I think um, on the point of um, what you're saying, Molly, about uh, are we seeing it? We've had numerous of feedback verbally. A client that comes to mind says she thought she was stuck and that she would never be able to get out of of what she was sensing and and being taught these skills in pregnancy has now given her uh, a window of opportunity that she never thought she'd have. And she was very tearful when she said that. Molly and Hannah are aware of that client. Another client said, I'm going to teach these to my children. Ah, yeah. oh, that was just amazing. I just thought, wow, she, she has very small children. And when they're um, having times of difficulty, whether it's a toy they wanted to, to, to take from the other child and they were going to have a little bit of a breakdown, she was able to facilitate at least one of those skills to uh, her children. That's a, a verbal feedback we had. So based on what we're hearing anyway, it's all good. Well, all- and, and think about the modeling that's happening that she's yeah using these kinds of skills and the children are watching yes. and mm-hmm. that's just kind of like that those concentric circles again that keep going outward so and hannah if you have uh, any um other illuminations in terms of a story or or yeah. seeing something in action um you know i'm still so thankful for this model because i feel like it's been such a gift for our community like molly said we don't have the numbers yet to verify that but um I, I mean, I feel like everyone that has been a participant when I've seen them, 
it's been impactful. Um, I really love being a midwife and getting to attend birth and like be with people postpartum and hear the birth story when it's fresh. And so many people, you know, it's like, that was so helpful for me. And, and even when things didn't necessarily go as planned, because you can never really like anticipate or plan for labor, people have said, you know, this, this really helped me, helped it feel manageable. Um, And then I do think it creates this, this language to use of, you know, maybe we have experienced with this stuff in the past, but like, this is what we're calling it now. I had someone who her, um, her like support person, they kind of talked about crim together and so then they would communicate that. And during her labor, I heard it I'm out of my zone. And that was kind of the, like, I need extra support, you know? And it was really cool to see that just ability to really like be in the same space and help each other, you know, it was really beautiful. Common language, right? So we talk about zones, the high zone, the low zone and the okay zone. Some people call Mm -hmm. it the resilient zone. Although people at Virginia Tech are now calling it the flow zone. I kind of like that. Um, yeah, don't you? I like that too, the flow zone. But I think that that's where you're, you have that sense of well-being. And it doesn't mean that you're just like all chill. It means that, you know, I've, I'm, I can be anxious. I can even be uncomfortable. I can be sad, but I can, the word I think, Hannah, that you said is management, right? Because mm-hmm. I think not managing our, our lives, I think for any of us can throw us out of our zone. And certainly when we're going through a very intense physical experience like birth is, we can be very easily, mm-hmm. but to actually use the language, oh, I'm not going crazy. I'm just out of my zone. I know I'm going to get back in again. And when we think mm-hmm. about the ebb and flow of a, of a contraction, for those of you that haven't you know, given birth or been around someone, I mean, you really, it is like a wave. You have the crescendo, they're building up the crescendo and then a release. It's not like it's one contraction. You get a little break in between, you know, it's like, really, it is like the zone in between. We could actually, you could do a whole thing of just the, the, uh, the labor cycle with the zones, right? Mm-hmm. And how, mm-hmm. how wonderful is that to hear that, that there is a couple there communicating about oh, yeah. the zones. It's, it's looking at the human existence without judgment. Mm-hmm. Yep, right? yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, oh my goodness, we just have a couple minutes left. Okay. Who wants to do the final word of saying something that you want everybody <laughs> to know about what you're doing? Go ahead. I can close this, I guess. I well, I think more than anything, we we just we want to thank you for having us um and for creating this and for supporting us just continuously from the from the very beginning. And yeah, I mean, I think our hope um, in terms of CREM and the birth center is that we're going to be able to continue to offer it to clients and integrate it into part of care. Um, and I think, like you said, those concentric circles going out, just like we hope that these wellness skills continue to be shared in our community beyond. We hope that midwives, we hope that our midwives continue to learn them, share them, um, so that really this just, you know, CREM becomes woven into, into the healthcare system as a way um, to decrease the impact of stress and trauma, specifically during the perinatal period. Well, um, thank you. Thank you, Hannah, Tracy, Molly. You're so inspiring. And for my listeners, listen to February 5th show if you haven't yet. And I'm, and I'm, I'm going to invite them back when the research is done, we're going to hear about the outcomes, no matter what happens, we want to hear about what they say. Mm -hmm. 
every single person, every all 50 are very important to us. Every experience, I always say, or not. Maybe some found it more helpful than others, but there's there is something that you're able to offer. And I can hear in all of you the what else is true. Mm-hmm. We've got something mm-hmm. here. Yes. We can use quite simply. So thank you so much for the work that you do bringing these precious little souls into the world and helping our birth givers have a different experience. So until next week, this is Elaine Miller-Karis signing out for Resiliency Within. Thank you so much for joining us this week for Resiliency Within. Please tune in again next Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Elaine Miller-Karras, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk again soon. Resiliency Within, with host Elaine Miller-Karras, is brought to you by Trauma Resource Institute, Incorporated. Visit TraumaResourceInstitute.com.